everybody. I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vanessa Vitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the country. We release a new episode every other week, so be on the lookout for that. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They are the official sponsor of the show, and they do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out. And a few housekeeping matters before we get started. This podcast is available anywhere you can get a podcast. That's iTunes, Google Play, Amazon's Alexa, really anywhere where you can get them. We even put them up on YouTube. If you want to uh, be notified whenever we're new, it's njbia.org slash subscribe. So with all that out of the way, with us today is Shane Brockwell of Insperity. Shane, say hi. Let the audience hear your voice. Hi. How's everybody doing? Excellent. All right. We're so happy today... to be here today. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. So today's icebreaker is what are you currently binging? And it's okay if you're not like a, a TV person. It's okay if you want to say like books or movies or just fiction in general. So what are you binging right Tom now? Tom Phillips opened this question up to include food. So, you know, there's, there's that too. Ooh, I forgot. Yeah. Thomas Edison State University, a few episodes ago. Check that out. Nice. I, just, I um, want to binge all the goat cheese. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard somebody say that before. Go ahead, Shane. What are you binging? So we're we're uh, my wife and I are currently uh, watching the Umbrella Academy, uh, which ah. is a, yeah, good choice. A very cool show. Yeah. So what season almost, are you in? Uh, the second season. Yeah, second one was better. Yeah. That's a um, great show. A few episodes ago, I think maybe even on that episode with Tom Phillips, we were just talking about. I was finishing up Umbrella Academy, and I had gotten so into it that I I wanted to read ahead. I picked up all the books, read through those. The books are terrible. <laughs> Don't read those. But yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. I got I got so jazzed by the second season that I went back and rewatched the first season. It's so good. So good. Anyway, I am currently binging, and I'm about to finish. Actually. I'm pretty sure I did finish it last night, but it was a late night. Harley Quinn, the animated show on HBO. Harley Quinn is it amazing. Is amazing. Like there are yeah. so many hilarious one-liners. Like at one point, Joker falls into a vat of acid, and of course this is all animated, right? So he falls mm. into a vat of acid, which you would think that that kills you, obviously, but not the Joker. So, but he does get amnesia. That's his whole thing. What? That's his whole thing going into acid, you know? It's, Apparently. Yeah. I don't, I'm not like a comic book. I don't know these things. But so, like, he gets amnesia, and he falls in love with this this normal person whose like her name mom. is Bethany. Yeah. Right. She's like a soccer mom. Her name is Bethany. She's a nurse. She's She's got two kids. And he's, like, living this alternative life with her, um, just having a grand old time being, like, faux stepdad to these kids. And something happens with Harley Quinn and she has to revive his memory to like get him to help her with something. So she pushes him into a vat of acid. And of course his memories come back. And as Joker, he says out loud, you know, trying to justify his relationship because he still loves Bethany. He says, I mean, a lot of dads are serial killers. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Harley Quinn's amazing. It's a hard R for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's, yeah. um, it's definitely an adult cartoon uh, right from the beginning. I mean, I think like within the first five words, I heard the F word for the first time. And uh, I was, I, I almost didn't know that that's what I heard. I was like, wait, wait, did that? Oh, and then they said it again. Okay. Yes, I did hear that. You know, 
so it hits you by surprise and they they always manage to you know keep pushing the envelope further and further and it just keeps you on your toes it's really funny but the storyline stays true the whole the whole way like they they yeah. just keep building more and more and more to a logical conclusion that is just it makes sense and it's hilarious and entertaining and I, I thought it was fantastic so that's on hbo max for anybody that wants to watch that yes I haven't been watching a show um, ever since I finished The Boys. I've been, um, you know, I fell really behind on my movies. And so I've been trying to get through the movies that were nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars back in, you know, January or February. Um, normally, I'd have finished this, you know, way long ago, but COVID. So I watched um, Judy, Bombshell, uh, 1917, Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, all within the last, like, week and a half. So, yeah. Wow. The Boys is definitely an interesting series as well. Definitely. I mean, that, that was really good. Yeah. Did you did you finish it, Shane? Uh, not yet. We're we're in the second season as well on that one. Um, I won't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure out if is Homelander supposed to be the president or is Homelander supposed to be the U.S. or are we just reading into it too much? <laughs> Do you Wait. mean like representative of? Right. Oh, <laughs> that's a little more political than I think we're allowed to get into on this show. <laughs> right or wrong in either direction. We're just trying to figure out from the writer's perspective what they're trying to write into the show. Yeah, we've had similar conversations. It's hard to tell sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> we're going to put that on the table. We're going to say, check out the boys. You can make your own determinations on what they're trying mm -hmm. to say with the show. But it, it is excellent. Yeah, it is. But yeah, tell me what you do in Insperity, putting that aside. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I'm a district manager uh, of, of um, uh, within within New Jersey. There's three districts here in New Jersey, although uh, Insperity has 80 offices nationwide. Um, and so I manage one of the one of the three sales teams in the state. Uh, and Insperity is uh, a trusted advisor to some of the best businesses in New Jersey. Um, you know, provides strategic support. We have resources, solutions, performance enhancements, and you know our whole goal is to help companies grow uh, and get better, make a positive impact on their employees as well as the communities. Fantastic! And so I think I understand that Insperity is a PEO. Is that right? Correct. Yep. For, for people who don't understand what that means, could you could you tell yeah. the audience? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so PEO stands for Professional Employer Organization. Uh, and Insperity um, started back in 1986, and we've grown this this entire space. So we're the pioneers of the industry. Um, and basically, what happens in a PEO relationship is we become sort of an outsourced uh, human resources solution um, to help a company uh, that a smaller company maybe that doesn't have a, um, a true HR person and or a company that hasn't uh, an HR infrastructure, and we're just we just become that back office to support them. So we do you know 250 different things, but it kind of breaks down to three different areas. There's the transactional piece of someone's business, which is payroll, workers' comp, and benefits. Uh, and there's what we refer to as reactive HR and proactive HR. So from a transactional side, payroll becomes a part of our payroll system. So we, we run uh, payroll. We're uh, extremely high tech on the payroll. You know, you can run payroll from a cell phone if you really wanted to. Um, benefits uh, become a part of our large group benefits platform. So we use United Healthcare. We're one of their uh, long-term strategic partners. We have a great relationship with them. Uh, we've been uh, partnered with them for over 19 years. And because of the, the way that our, our plan is structured, 
um, we're able to lower the cost of medical from a, um, you know, that, that a, a smaller business can't get uh, due to our economies of scale and the fact that we're not really, we're not brokers. So we're not brokering medical insurance and we're not making any money on the medical insurance. They're, our clients just become a part of our large pool. Um, and so we, we were able to bring, you know, Fortune 500 benefits to a small organization that, that they can't get on their own or can't afford on their own. Um, we also manage workers' comp. So if there's any workers' comp issues, uh, we handle that. Uh, and then the, the, the cool thing is we're, we're able to lower the cost of, the, of that transactional piece, and that pays for all the HR things um, that we do, or at least, at least lower some of the, uh, the overhead. So from a react, reactive HR as handbooks, job descriptions, employee relations issues, um, anything, anything that revolves around uh, sort of the blocking and tackling of HR. And then on the, on the um, proactive side, we have over 5,000 training courses. Uh, and so performance specialists can get involved and uh, help build out training curriculums for, uh, for our clients. Uh, and a really cool thing with our platform is employees can go on and take any training course that they want uh, 24 hours a day. So they have access to all those trainings. Uh, but if a company really wants to get strategic, one of their dedicated team members is a performance specialist, and they can sit down with the company and say, you know, you're 20 employees and you want to grow to 40, and where do you think you have some skill gaps? And, uh, and they can help plug, in, uh, plug those employees into different courses and then facilitate trainings on what they've learned. So it's sort of an end-to-end, hire-to-fire, you know, relationship that we provide, um, you know, for, for all these different services that companies really can't build on their own for the same cost. That's that's amazing. What are some of the categories for the training? I mean, I assume that, you know, managing people or, you know, managing from afar, like that's probably something. But like, what about business writing or, um, you know, technical stuff like that? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's so much in the training catalog that I only know probably a fraction of it uh, myself. But yeah, I mean, management training, leadership training, sales training, uh, there's um, project management. Uh, there's Six Sigma, there's um, several hundred, if not maybe a thousand uh, that revolve around technology. So Oracle and C++, uh, uh, C++ and .NET and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, so all that stuff exists within the platform. Uh, luckily, you know, no one wants to come to me for any training. Um, <laughs> so we have dedicated people that know really the ins and outs of that platform. Uh, but it's a really great system where they can type in, you know, something, you know, Microsoft Office or, you know, how do I use Excel? And it'll pop up every single training that revolves around that subject. It sounds like the sort of thing that was tailor-made for COVID. Um, Have you been finding, you know, that you've had to do anything different or have you been finding um, maybe increased use during this time? Yeah, you know, this year's been crazy, obviously. (laughs) Uh, for, for, yeah. for several different reasons, and, and the whole COVID thing happened so fast. It was sort of like we heard about it in the background, and you know, people were talking about it and sort of making jokes about it, and then all of a sudden, it was like, it's here. Um, we're, and we're moving to you know, work from home, and so our New York offices were the first companies or the first offices to work from home, and our clients were you know right behind us, uh, and so the clients were reaching out, going, all right, now all my employees are home. What does that mean from an HR perspective and a compliance perspective? And do we need to update handbooks and procedures? And uh, so our our HR um, uh, specialists started getting involved with their clients on, around those things. Then it became, I mean, really like a week later, it was layoffs. You know, I, there's no way, you know, people are shutting down now. So there's no way I'm going to be able to, to have all my employees. You know, so what does that look like? And so then they started engaging with, with our clients around, uh, well, don't lay them off. Let's put them on a temporary leave of absence. They can still have access to benefits. And. So all the compliance pieces that go um, along with that. Um, and then the, the paycheck, paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, came out shortly after that. 
and so because everything runs underneath the Insperity system, um, the president signed the bill on a Friday. Our clients could pull that report for the PPP that had everything that they needed on the following Tuesday. Uh, and they couldn't even file, uh, couldn't even file until Friday. Um, and so all of our, for the majority of our clients, they hit that button, they got the report that could go straight to their bank and they were in the first round uh, because we just, we made it a, a non-issue for them. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it was really crazy to see how fast Insperity uh, came up with all this stuff. And we were doing, you know, these types of webinars every single week for a while uh, for our clients and or really anybody that just wanted to um, to log into them and see them. Um, and the, the other, you know, really cool thing and again, you know, we, we're a big culture company. We believe in culture. Uh, we, we, you know, eat it, sleep it. <laughs> it's, it's just in the DNA of Insperity. Um, but the, the cool thing is to see it all un, unravel in a, in a time like this and how engaged um, our, our HR people were with our clients and really trying to help them. And our CEO came out and said, you know, anybody in the country, even if they're not a client, uh, can engage our HR team to get advice uh, through this time. Uh, so. From, from a sales perspective, obviously no one's changing anything you know, at that point. So we are, all of our sales teams really just changed to trying to reach out to our local companies saying, even if you're not a client, uh, we're here to help. So let us know. Uh, and our, our HR teams are working you know, double time just trying to take care of our clients through all this. And then <laughs> we tripled it uh, with adding in companies that weren't our clients. Um, and so we had you know, hundreds of companies all over the country that we're not an Insperity client that we're engaging with our teams trying to figure out how to, how to you know, get through all this. So it's been really a, a, a crazy year, but also a cool year to see how, how much stuff that, you know, that we really do for, uh, for businesses around the country. It certainly was a testament for, for seeing how agile many companies were and are. Um, in the not-for-profit world, they call it friend raising versus fundraising because so many golf outings and annual dinners and all of the fundraising efforts that most not-for-profits had on the calendar were just canceled overnight. And so they pivoted to friend raising, which is, you know, just cultivating those relationships in, a, in an ongoing way. And it sounds like you guys did a really good job of pivoting really quickly. Um, so kudos to you for being so agile that you could like pull that off. Yeah, you know, look, we're 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 a pretty large company. We have about 3,600 internal employees, um, and there's divisions within Insperity, and that's all they do is compliance work. And, uh, and so these people really get to know. Uh, they do all the research and try to figure out, you know, what's going on within each. Really, I mean, that's every state can be different these days when from an HR uh, and a compliance perspective. But uh, but they research all this stuff and then roll it out to our local markets. Um, and so it it, it was. It was really impressive to see how fast uh, that we were able to do it, uh, get ahead of everything before you know, um, before it really came out uh, from the government perspective. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff that's happened this year from the civil unrest issues and everything else that we've been involved in, and um, you know, it's sort of the same thing. We're, we're we've been going above and beyond to try to get uh, to um, you know answers to our clients and how they should handle different things and. You know, part of part of our service is if someone's suing one of our clients as a as a PEO or a co-employer, they're also suing us because uh, um, we take on some of that liability. Um, hmm. And so, you know, we're we're able to insulate our clients from a lot of those things as well. Uh, but ideally, our goal is to really um, just help a company get better uh, and grow, and and not worry about the compliance piece, just worry about their core competencies and and you know 
growing the business, selling their product, selling their service, helping their clients, and let us deal with all the, you know, the back-end compliance pieces. You might have mentioned this, so forgive me if I didn't, if I, if I missed it, but with 3,600 employees, are you in every state in the U.S., or are you just Northeast, or are you, uh, where, so we, where are you? Yeah, we have clients in all 50 states. Um, we have about 80 offices nationwide, uh, so we don't have feet in every state. Um, I, I'm not honestly, I'm not sure exactly how many states that we're in. Maybe 40, 50, uh, if not more. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and Sperry's been growing like crazy over the last couple of years, up until this year, obviously with COVID. Um, so we've been opening, you know, five to ten offices per year. Uh, probably for the past three, four years, um, you know, just because the the need for our services has grown. Uh, so we're we're opening new offices in different states. Um, this year we 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 paused um, just because of everything that's going on. But uh, all of our offices that were supposed to happen this year are still on the books for next year. So we actually did not lay off anybody. In fact, we hired um, uh, during COVID because we just we needed more people in in our division in the sales side uh, to help reach out to, to clients is because we know once all this stuff um, goes away, hopefully sooner than later, um, clients are going to be able to, you know, to make those decisions to change to, to, um, to partner with Insperity. And we need a lot more salespeople out there to, um, you know, to make that transition happen. And of course, some our, our HR people were working overtime. Um, so, you know, we've been able to provide them a lot of uh, extra support as well. That's interesting. So um, one of the things that, that happened in, society with with COVID is Zoom. Like, I, I really felt like Zoom, COVID, is going to change the face of commercial realty for a generation, maybe. But you guys are still planning to, like, have physical offices next year. That's amazing. I like it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're really become a partner with our clients. And I think the only really way, the only way you can really partner with a company is by being close to them. Uh, for the most part, um, and and a lot of our clients are uh, are serviced by you know especially in the smaller companies you know the five employees and ten employees maybe serviced by someone that's in another state for from a daily basis but if they ever need someone in person then one of the local service people go out and see them so um, you know we have a big office space here and we're actually uh, adding another. 10,000 square feet and we move in January. So we're expanding just this office and we're in Florham Park here. So, um, you know, we have, I just think there, there are different companies. I think the IT world and, and certain organizations can, you know, they don't really need the brick and mortar. Uh, but when it comes to what we do, I, I, I personally, and, and, you know, I'm pretty much a nobody, but uh, personally don't believe that Insperity would ever, uh, you know, get rid of our brick and mortar offices. That makes sense. I mean, what you said makes absolute sense to me, and I'm so glad and grateful to hear it. I mean, I can't speak for, for anybody but myself, but Zoom is a really powerful and amazing tool, but boy, am I tired of it. <laughs> tired. I'm, I'm with you. I can't wait until, I mean, I don't know that Zoom as a, a meeting function will ever really go away, but I, I can't wait until this goes away. If I... There has never been a time in my life where I have had to sit through a meeting with an image of myself right in front of me. You know, like right. I'm not, I'm looking, you see my eyes, they're not looking directly into the lens. They're looking right here this whole time, okay? For those of you who are in your car listening to this, it's from the chin to about the, the end of the shirt. That's, that's where I live, right here, okay? 
maybe sometimes up here, but really just in here. I can't wait until this is over. Yeah. We all have that yeah. one. I have a new theory, and this is new like today. You know, I, I always used to worry about the tech apocalypse, like Skynet rising up and killing us. And I, I've come to learn that this is the tech apocalypse. It's not robots trying to kill us. It's robots annoying us until we just want to die. <laughs> right? It's it's having to look at somebody chop up. Uh, uh, uh. It's having to like spend all this time. Like, can you hear me? Can, can you? Can you? But can You're you hear muted. me? You're yeah. muted. Nod your head if you can hear me. That's right. it's just chipping away at our souls, our spirits, little by little, every day. I think yeah. that. No, go ahead, Shane. I was just going to say I'm I'm a member of uh, of Vistage as well, um, and we we have a big Vistage group, and uh, we did a, um, a, a mixer last week. So uh, there's companies, and this this company was down uh, in South Jersey, uh, and they send out all these mixers, and then you know you bring your own alcohol. But we're doing like a drinking mixer with people on a Zoom. It's just it's just a bizarre bizarre thing to do. Uh, all of this is just weird. <laughs> so it can't yeah. it can't go away fast enough in my opinion all right i think we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna play a game cool. Cool. okay and we're back and it is now time to play my favorite game awful or awesome i'm going to name three things and we each have to decide quickly if they're awful or awesome and be prepared to defend your answers are you ready ready okay first up military school so Shane, I'm going to go first. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. In theory, I think that they sound like badass, right? Like, I think they sound fun and cool, but probably in practice, they're less fun. I mean, I went to Catholic high school, grade school, like the whole nine. It probably wasn't like, they're not comparable, but in terms of like strictness, I don't know. I'm going to have to go ahead and say awful, I think. I don't know. So I'll... I'll say, uh, because I went to a military school for two years in, in high school, for me personally, it was awful. However, I do see the value uh, as well. Um, but yeah, no, uh, marching around with a rifle on your shoulder when you're in high school and wearing uniforms and shining your shoes every day uh, is not a fun thing to go through when, when, you're, when you're a kid. That's Let me terrible. ask you this, because um, I, I never went to military school, but I always kind of romanticized the idea of the school uniform because in theory I would kind of hate it because you like to individualize yourself but from the other side of it you know there there could be the idea that you know people get picked on for what they wear you know people um you know there's a lot of like it takes that you know having to decide what to wear out of your life every day is there any like was that ever a good thing for you or is it always just kind of like I hate this um, so you, you bring up a good point because you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear every day. You wear the same thing, um, you know, but you, you have to have your name badge, you know, pinned in the right position. And, you know, those that had rank had their rank on their collars and you have to have, you, know, you have a brass belt. So that's got to be shine and your shoes have to be shine. So it wasn't just going into your closet and pulling something out and throwing it on and going to school. Um, you had to actually work <laughs> to get your, your outfit ready before you put it on and, and went to school. How do you rank up in school? Is that sort of like if I get straight A's, then like I, I rank up kind of a deal or? No. Uh, so rank in school, um, you basically had to earn it and you, you took, it was separate from grades. Uh, grades had nothing to do with, with rank uh, and you had to 
basically go out of your way to uh, to take other things and, and get rank. Um, I was only there for two years, my junior and senior year, and uh, I'm pretty sure um, I was the only person uh, ever <laughs> to graduate from, from that school without rank, and the school's been around for something years. I love it. You're a rebel. Definitely, definitely a rebel without a cause, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched Malcolm in the Middle, but the, the, what I'm thinking of is Francis. He had to go yeah. away to military school, and he was like the bane of their existence <laughs> the whole time he was there. They, they had yep. the, the guy with the hook as the, the head of the military school. I don't know what you call it. He wasn't a principal, but yeah. Yep. That was I'm sort imagining of my... that now. <laughs> What is the what is the word for the principal of a middle of a military school? Is it like commandant or? Yeah, that was Malcolm in the Middle, right? <laughs> was it commandant? I have no idea. I think so. I think so. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. It depends on the school too, because there's naval schools and military. I mean, there's there's different schools, so it's it would be the head of whatever division of military that you're in. I okay. So now I have so many more questions. Yeah. So like. It's military school. It's not Marine school or Navy school or like, how do you differentiate? Is it just whatever branch of the military the principal graduated from is, is that how it goes or no? No, I mean, these things started year, I mean, a long, long time ago. And um, I, I, to be honest with you, couldn't tell you how one becomes a, a Naval school and, you know, okay. Yeah, okay. so are there such thing as Air Force military schools? I don't know, to be honest with you. I was going to say, it would be a, can you imagine, like, I had to play dodgeball in high school. Can you imagine getting into, like, fighter jets as part of your, like, gym class, you know? I was just thinking, <laughs> advanced aerodynamics, <Yeah>. go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, one, one, of the, one of the guys that was in um, my school does actually fly uh, fighter jets now. So there was a lot of kids that, you know, that was just sort of, you know, they came from military families and they grew up in, in those schools and, and they went on to, you know, to have uh, great careers within the military. For me, I was just sort of, you know, stuck in it <laughs> and, uh, and, and had to make the best of it for two years. Um, it wasn't all bad, but it was, you know, it was definitely an experience. I guess I never considered that it could be anything other than a punishment. Like, yeah, it's amazing to me that kids would come from a military background and choose willingly to do that because they have an idea already at 14, 15, 16 years old what their career path is going to be, and it includes the military, and so they might as well start with military school. I mean, my whole point of reference for reference is movies, too, so I'm like, in my head, it's always a punishment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, there was kids that were really into it and, you know, they wanted to be the battalion commander and, uh, and go off and to make, uh, you know, into their, excuse me, military careers. Um, that just wasn't me. Uh, so I ended up with probably, uh, again, I think, I think I may have the award for the most demerits of any day cadet uh, back then as well. Like I said, a rebel. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, and, and there's no reason behind it. I just, if someone told me to do, you know, to go right, I went left. And again, there's for no reason. What happens uh, if you get a demerit? So you build up a certain amount of demerits, and then uh, that's when detention kicks in. And uh, detention was not only after school, but also on the weekends. Uh, so if you had enough demerits, you go in on a Saturday, and you march around a track with a rifle on your shoulder <laughs> uh, for several hours on, in, the, in the miserable sun on your Saturday. Hours? Hours? No, that doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, 
I spent I spent a lot of time on there on on the weekends, unfortunately. Okay. What else you got, Kate? Okay, we got to move on. I'm sorry. Um, wristwatches, and the reason I added this one is because I know Shane, you have a you have a story, but also. I used to be so religious about wearing a wristwatch. I loved it. Like I'm very like in a box type A, like I need things to be just so. And my wristwatch was a huge part of it. I took that wristwatch off the weekend we came home, like the, the weekend that lockdown started, I took it off and I literally haven't put it on since. And I, I don't miss it at all. So I'm going to say awesome for some people. So. So watches, I was always, I always liked watches, you know, when I was a kid, uh, swatches were a big thing. Uh, and you know, this was way back then. Yeah. What's a swatch? I mean, I know what a paint swatch is, but. You don't know what a swatch is? Wait, no. Shane, how old are you? We got to be close to the same age if you know what a swatch is. I'm 44. There you... Simpatico, I'm 44 as well. Swatch. Okay. So Vinny, yeah. a swatch is a watch that you could swap out the wristband with ah. the face. So depending on what you were going to wear in a day, you could be like, oh, I'm going to wear the red one today, or I'm going to wear the, the pink one or the blue one. It was like all the rage. People were. I thought that was a standard feature of watches. You know, like most watches, you can kind of disband the, the band from it and put on a different one if you want. But maybe this one came with the other ones just for the sake of, you know, the easy. Yeah, they were all, they were all fun colors. They were, you know, they were plastic because they were for kids. I think they were fairly deep. And you, they had like a, a little snap thing that you could snap across the top uh, so you wouldn't bang it and, and scratch it. And those were came in different colors. And, yep. Um, yep. So, so the, I think that's where I got into, you know, liking watches. And then um, somewhere along the line, my dad got one of those big Casio or maybe it was a Timex, uh, the computer um, watches. Uh, so it was one of those things you could literally like, you know, do math on it. Which I thought was like the coolest thing. The ever. calculator watches. Yeah, I used to have one of those back in the day because Marty McFly in the Back to the Future movies has a calculator watch. Never does anything with it in the movies. It's just there for one sight gag when he's in the 50s and the, the alarm on it goes off and somebody sees it and is like, what's that? And he has to hide it real quick. But yeah, I, I saw that and I had to have one. <laughs> those, those things were cool back in the day. And, you know, uh, as you get down, as you get into watches, it becomes this black hole of just, you know, I don't know. Uh, you people, people buy watches for jewelry, so like people get, you know, a Rolex or something like that. Um, people buy those for investments. Uh, watches can be investments, um, and then you know you can look at, um, you know, the the crazy complicated watches and the uh, and the really small companies where they only make you know 100 watches a year. Or Rolex makes a million watches a year, uh, and those are all handmade and put, you know put together and hand polished. And again, it, it just goes down this this rabbit hole of um, over engineering for no purpose other than you can. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, when I was this? when I was younger, I used to have this um this Legend of Zelda watch, and it had a it, they called it a game and watch, and you could like play the game right on the watch, and uh. To this day, and I've played a lot of video games in my life, that was the hardest video game I've ever played. You know, like a frustratingly difficult, like you want to just rip the thing off your arm and throw it, you know? So I, I remember that. But in general, I mean, I haven't wa worn a watch in forever. You know, like right now, no watch on me. Um, it, it used to be like, hey, if I 
if I took it off and left it somewhere, I'd feel naked. You know, like if I, if I left the house without my watch, I'd have like a panic attack, like an, an anxiety surge would go through your body. Um, and then somewhere like right after college, I just, you know, took it off one day and never put it back on. And, uh, I know when they, when they came out with the, the smart watches, this is where I thought you were going when you said swatch, like combination of smart and watch. I know when yeah. they came out with those, I considered it for a hot second. And then I was like, you know what? I'm used to not having those watches on anymore. I don't think I can go back. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the Apple watches and those things, um, it's been a really interesting topic in the, I guess, watch community, if you will, because, you know, those of us who went to the, the, uh, the mechanical watches and now they have, you know, all these uh, computer watches out there. But, you know, people all people wonder, oh, it's going to kill the watch, um, the mar watch market in general. And uh, but I don't think it I, I don't see it happening because uh, the those crazy nerds like myself and thousands of others that are into the mechanical pieces are never going to go to the Apple Watch as, as their only watch. All right, last one, scotch, as in the beverage. Is there another, what, like, like scotch tape would be not the beverage? Yeah, scotch tape or um, butterscotch pudding, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I'm not a big scotch drinker. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, the few times I've had it, it's been fine, you know? Yeah. But, I'm more of a whiskey person, so I'm gonna go with awful. I've sure, I've had that. enough scotch in my in my day that I appreciate it for what it is, but it's not what I would prefer. So mm. I'm gonna go with awful. I I love scotch, and I I like scotch so much. I had a I used to have a dog named Scotch. Um, that's so cute. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, that's probably my go-to um, if I was gonna have one drink for the rest of my life. That would be it. Very cool. Nice. All right. And then you were, you had no opinion on scotch? Yeah, I'm going to go with no opinion. I mean, the, the, like, I, I think in the last episode, I talked about the, the girly drinks being my thing. You know, it's, it is what it is. You know, like, I can't tell the taste buds to do something different. <laughs> so. A good apple teeny? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. You know, if, if it tastes good, you know, a nice sugary drink, I'm in. What would you recommend to a non-scotch drinker? You know, it's like this is the one you want to do to get into this kind of a deal. Um, I would, you know, a, a good Macallan 12 is just an easy drinking scotch. Um, you'd probably want to add, you know, at least one block of ice to it. Um, probably, <laughs> um, you know, but, but there's nothing wrong with that. That, that just changes the flavor and it opens up a little bit. And some people love it neat where there's no ice and some people love it with ice. Wait, um, it changes the flavor. Absolutely. Yeah. The oh, I always thought it was just, okay. So I always thought that the ice just took up more volume in the glass. And so you were drinking less of the thing. And that was supposed to be how you were, I don't know, um, watering it down, so to speak. But yeah, no, that's not the case. It actually changes the flavor. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to like a, a high-end scotch tasting, um, which I haven't been to in probably 15 years, but uh, they, they'll actually give you little water droplets. Uh, so you can taste it neat. And then you add in, you know, two drops of water and see what it does to the, um, you know, to the flavor and to the smell because it opens up different things within the um, within the scotch uh, and that all has to do with how they've uh, how they've stored the scotch you know where was it stored in a um, what type of cask uh, you know was put in those types of things uh, but again one of those things you can go down a rabbit hole if you really want to get into it <laughs> i imagine <laughs> that's not my thing i just like to drink it so. sure <laughs>
<laughs> Fair enough. All right. So next segment on the show, if you had one piece of advice you would give to your younger self, what would it be? Um, you know, it could be buy like a really awesome like scotch thing, hide it away somewhere for 10, 15 years, <laughs> take it out now. But yeah, go ahead. So that you know that it was going to go a different direction, but that's a really good point because back then, I, I even though I was into watches and if I couldn't afford one, um, you know, a nice one anyway, but go back and buy a um, uh, what they what they call now is a Paul Newman Daytona, which is a Rolex. That would be that would be my uh, the what I would tell myself, and the only reason why they only made uh, a couple thousand of these things, and Paul Newman, the actor, had one, uh, and it was one of the most famous Rolexes ever because uh, he wore it in all his films, and uh, it was pretty much his, his daily watch uh, that his wife gave him. Um, several years ago, I think it was maybe three, four years ago, something like that. It's a long story, but I'll make it short. Uh, his uh, his um, daughter was dating a guy back in the day, um, and uh, his and Paul Newman went to the guy and said, "Hey, you know what time it is?" And the guy goes, "No, I don't have a watch." And Paul Newman took his watch off and took his Rolex off and gave it to this guy. And um, so he had no idea. It was just Paul Newman gave me a Rolex. So you know, holy crap! So he he went home and stuck it in a drawer. And obviously, he never you know he didn't marry his daughter. They went their separate ways at some point. Uh, and several years back, he pulls it out of his drawer. He's like, "You know what? I'm going to wear this." And uh, he's wearing it in an airport. And some guy sees it and he's like, oh, nice, nice Paul Newman. And the guy goes, how do you, like, how did he know that this is Paul Newman's watch? It was just that the watch was named the Paul Newman. Uh, that's what's what it, that's what the Rolexes have different nicknames. It's sort of crazy. But uh, so anyway, he did, he goes back, he finds, because Newman's, uh, Newman's own is, is uh, Paul Newman's charity. So he goes back to uh, Paul Newman's daughter and says, hey, I, I, I have your dad's watch. Um, let's put it up for auction. Uh, and so that's what they did. Uh, Want to take a wild guess what it sold for? A wristwatch. No, just. I know that these things can go for kind of tens of thousands of dollars, especially in the Rolex um, brand. So I'm going to go $75,000. Kate, hey, what's, your, what's your guess? I'm going to say million because it was worn by Paul Newman and it was probably in mint condition because it was in a drawer for years and years. It went for $17 million. Oh $17 million. Wow. 17 million. Yep. <laughs> so, so a, a standard non- We've all been collecting the wrong things. Right? <laughs> yeah. So a, a standard Paul Newman, or a standard, you know, Rolex Daytona from that, in that, um, uh, that serial, uh, it was a couple hundred dollars back in the day, maybe 500 bucks, something like that, which is a lot of money back then. Um, yeah. The standard ones, just a generic standard Paul Newman, uh, they sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars, so maybe 250000 depending on the year in the market at this point. Uh, so if somebody has one of those sitting in their drawer, uh, go put it in an auction. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be pleasantly surprised what you've got. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> really good advice for your younger self. Yep. Yeah. yep. I don't know what you do with it. If you own a $17 million wristwatch. I assume well, you don't <laughs> all right so let's <laughs> i'm sorry that makes me laugh <laughs> so let's say somebody wants to get a hold of you take advantage of some of your services how can they do that yeah um so shane.brockwell s-h-a-n-e dot b-r-o-c-k-w-e-l-l at insperity.com um that's my email address best way to get me um and you know 
we usually just have a conversation uh, with a business and find out what they're doing, find out where, where they may have some, uh, some, some gaps. Um, you know, maybe it's their medical insurance is getting out of control. You know, we can help control that uh, costs a lot better. Maybe they're worried about compliance because they're moving into multiple, multiple states. Uh, maybe they're just worried about all the stuff that's happening right now and how to handle it from an HR perspective. Uh, and those are all different things that, that we can have a conversation around and, um, you know, see if, if there's a, an area that Insperity can help with. Very cool. Perfect. All right. I think that's our show. That's the show. All right. Thank you to our listeners, especially subscribers. We really appreciate the support. Thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out. And finally, a big thank you to Shane Brockwell of Insperity for joining us today. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. It's great talking to you. All right. Thank we'll you, We'll see too. you next time. All right, thanks. Thanks.